All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you, three men, for leading us today. Thank all of you who uh, clapped and sang along. Um, we appreciate just the chance to lift our voices together. And, you know, I think this morning, every, I feel this every Sunday in this room, there's a, there's a lot of need in here, and there's a lot of need for a God who is great. Amen. And, and Amen. in what way is God great? Because as Chris said, um, you know, life, there's a couple of things that have happened this week that just remind us of the pain of life and, and the loss that's just always around the corner and the difficulty. And so we don't want to gloss over those things and act like they're not there and, and actually get to some kind of religious fever where we fervor where we just kind of forget all that. God doesn't want us to block that out. His greatness is demonstrated in that nothing will ever separate us or remove us from his love. Amen. And you can't say that about anyone else. Amen. You don't know. But he promises that, and I've experienced that. And that he will always be with us. And that he's taking care of what matters most, which is this life with all of its joy and its difficulty is a precursor to the new creation of the new heaven and new earth that he has made certain for us. And so we celebrate all that today, not turning a blind eye to the difficulties, but knowing that we need this. We need to find a place for for joy and to be uplifted and to have hope. And I hope that's what we get today. So anyhow, um, today we're today we're going to we're only going to look at one verse. Uh, although I can go two hours on one verse if you want, but it's <laughs> but uh, we're going to just try to drill down. So so remember, we're we're in a series now where we're talking about the tongue or about how we use our our speech, how we talk, and we're gonna. I don't know how many weeks. I don't think Chris even and I even know how long this is going to go. But there's lots in Scripture that remind us about uh, how important it is w- the words that come out of our mouth. And one thing we all share in common is we all talk every day. We talk in a variety of settings. We talk to strangers. We talk to friends. We talk to people that are an authority over us, uh, people that are under us, perhaps. And so speech is a, is a part of life. It's what we all do. We all talk. And, and so the idea here is that Chris introduced last week is that the tongue, being the small, one of the smallest muscles in the body, has the most influence. It's bigger than, Charles, your big, your big biceps you were showing off today in that shirt, all right? You know? I look at him up here in that. I look at him in that, and I just feel like this puny little, I don't know what, but, but the, tongue, the tongue has more power than that. Amen. It does. You know, you heard the old saying that the pen is mightier than the sword. Well, the pen are just words, right? We're saying words have influence. Your words have influence. You, you may think that you're, you're inconspicuous and you're absent, you're nobody. Your words today will have influence. Every time you open your mouth, every time I open my mouth to talk, I am creating influence. And, and generally, it's not neutral. It's either for good or it's for bad. There's almost no in between. There's almost never a time when we're talking to someone where we're not either building up or tearing down. It's one or the other. And so this verse, as you can see, let me just read it from Ephesians 4.29. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may give grace to those who hear. So this verse very very, uh, quickly just tells us, we're going to look at three things actually. It tells us what, how not to talk. You can see, don't let any unwholesome talk. So we'll talk about unwholesome talk. And then it says, uh, but only talk, only use your mouth in a way that's helpful for building others up according to their needs. And then it, the last thing, it tells us how to measure whether our words are good or not, because if our words are right, it will always give grace to those who hear. Amen. So we're going to look real quickly again, how not to talk, how to talk, and how to measure whether your talk is actually on target because it will always build up. It'll always give grace to people. So let's let's dive into this first part. Do not let any unwholesome talk 
proceed out of your mouth. So what is unwholesome? That's a pretty broad category. Um, and I, I remember years ago doing a little bit of research on this. And the, and the, uh, the word that's actually translated out of the original Greek into the English word unwholesome can have a variety of meanings. And I want to give you one other meaning that I think is very graphically going to tell you when our speech is bad, it can get really bad. Amen. Um, Amen. So uh, years ago, actually the first house that Chris and I owned was this little small, small little house that had a fenced-in yard, and in the yard was an apricot tree. And I wasn't into like, you know, gardening and all that. And, and I, so every year the apricots would come to bloom, and they would ripen. But we weren't doing anything to treat the tree. We weren't spraying in pe pesticides or anything. And so every year the fruit was damaged or all the bugs would get in it. So we never actually ate an apricot from that tree. But one of the things is it was, I can't tell you, it was literally, it felt like thousands of apricots would come and then they would over, they would ripen, they would fall on the ground. And so what I did, the very first year that we were there, I got a big 55-gallon uh, barrel I had out there. And so I would gather apricots and I would just throw them in the barrel, Right. And I kind of forgot that I had done that. And this is in the summer, and in the, in the, it's hot, and it's right in the sun. And so garbage day comes, and I go, and the thing was really, really heavy. It's like I couldn't hardly drag it. So I got to, like, take the apricots out and put them in bags or something. So I take the lid off and literally, like, staggered away. Like, the smell was so bad, and it was like apricot soup. I mean, it was all just rotten. Ooh. And... And it, it was nasty, and like, I can't put that into bags. I don't even, I don't remember what I did. I think, I think at night I went and poured it in my neighbor's yard or something. I, a, <laughs> I'm sure I didn't do that. But, but it was, I, I mean, seriously, I will never forget, the look and the smell was so bad. And the, uh, the only word that I could use to describe it, the best word is it was putrid. Isn't that an awful word, putrid? It just tell, it's like, it's the right word for whatever it means, because putrid just makes you cringe when you hear it, right? So that was putrid. Well, that's the word that the Holy Spirit gave Paul to use to say, don't let your speech be putrid. Unwholesome, mean, in this case, means putrid. So we can actually have speech that is like that barrel full of rotten fruit. And sometimes, you know, it only takes one word. It takes one word. You know, the, you know the old Michael Jackson, Jackson 5 song, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch? Yeah. You know, you ever get something that's got mold on it? Like you got something in your refrigerator and it gets a little mold on the strawberry, and what does it do? It just spreads to all of them. It just takes one. It just takes one word, one word that's unwholesome, and that's one putrid, that's putrid, actually. Now, think about the person receiving it. You know, you just very casually, you're upset with someone, you just pull out a word, and you put it at that person, and their experience can be just like that, like the lid came off. And, you know, it's interesting that even though we think we're pretty logical people, pretty rational people. If someone says something negative to me that even at some level I know is not true, it finds a root. It finds some place to take root inside of me. It does for all of us. Like we like to think we're tough and sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. No, names hurt deeply. Words hurt deeply. All of us in this room right now, I, I guarantee you, I promise you, can recall a conversation that happened five minutes ago or 15 years ago where someone said words and it was like a dagger that came inside of us, true or not, whether it was true or not. See, that's unwholesome. That's putrid. That, that is damaging, and, and it doesn't take much. You know, Chris, in, in teaching from James last week, said that it's amazing how one little spark can start a whole forest ablaze, right? Amen. See, that's the way words are. So, so the, the, there's a test for this one. The test is this, very simply, before I, before I talk, can I hit the pause button and say, 
is this unwholesome speech what I'm going to say? And by the way, you might feel justified in saying it because I've done it before. I've done it before. Um, someone, someone riding by on a bike, you know, may, may run through a red light and I step off the curb, I almost get hit and I, I say, idiot. And then a week later, I'm riding my bike and I go through a red light and the guy steps out in front and I call them an idiot in that case. Like, who's the... <laughs> you know? And, you know, I, I really don't think that um, that word is probably not going to damage that person for life, but it just shows how easily the words just come, right? It's like we don't, like the whatever that thing isn't there that's supposed to be a filter just doesn't exist we just speak these words and so so the first thing just just to be thinking that um, all of our talk really should be wholesome now that's the negative here's the positive and I love this the positive says only but only so here's the limiter for our speech only only before you speak the only thing you should ever say should be something that is helpful to build others up to strengthen them to actually give a gift to them. The gift may be the gift of kindness through your speech, or grace, or forgiveness, or exhortation, or hope, or peace, but things that will build the person up. And the reason why I was thinking about, like, I don't think my speech comes anywhere close to always building someone up, and I can get very negative. And so what's going on when I'm being negative? And typically when I'm being negative, if I'm honest with myself, what's going on is I'm not really thinking about that person. I'm only thinking about me. So it really comes from something different. It's a failure to truly care about or love the other person. It's loving myself more than I love anyone else. So I will in that moment not think about building you up, and, and I might even tear you down, and I may walk away like feeling like, that, well, that was justified. But it's never justified. God has given each of us this amazing gift of words. Amen. And if we realize how powerful they are for good or evil... I think we would take this more seriously before we talk. Or right, I'm about to say something. Now again, is this going to be unwholesome or is this going to build this person up? And you notice the phrase there, it says, according to their needs. That means that I'm actually thinking, I wonder what this person needs right now. Like maybe, you know, there's a place for correction, right? And we should do it well and in love. But maybe right now what they don't need is correction because maybe everybody's trying to correct them. What they maybe need is a word of affirmation. And, it, and it's such an easy thing to give to someone. But if we're, not, if, we're, if we're not being aware of others, if I'm only aware of myself and thinking of myself, then I'm not even going to go through this thought process. I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. You know, the, um, the tongue, the tongue is, a, is a tool for uh, destruction or for building up. It's both, right? Like all tools are. I, I was in Michigan on a couple weeks with my family uh, the end of July, the 1st of August, and one of the things that I've done every year, my father-in-law and mother-in-law live um, on a river, and they have a dock that goes out in the river, and every year that I go back in the summer, a few more of the deck boards have kind of rotted, and I like to work with my hands. When I moved to New York, I had to sell all my tools and get rid of everything, so I actually love doing this manual labor, so I go in there, and I'll say, okay, these three or four boards need to be replaced, and I'll get, go to the lumberyard, and I'll get new boards, and I'll nail or screw them down, 
and then we paint them and it matches and it looks good. And every year I come back. So over the years, most of the boards I've replaced over the last decade. So this year when I came back, because of high water levels uh, in the Great Lakes and in the river, the dock is, was damaged and actually knocked off the pilings and it was kind of floating in the river against the seawall and it's a mess. So I'm down there now in the river this year with a hammer and crowbar and I'm pulling all the boards out, right? But I was thinking I'm using the same tools. I built them with a hammer and now I'm destroying them with a hammer. So a hammer can be a tool for building or for destroying, right? I mean, you can use a screwdriver to screw something in or you can use it as a weapon. You can use a saw to cut boards to build something or you can use a saw to cut something you shouldn't be cutting, right? I mean, every tool has the ability to be used for good or bad and that's what we're learning in this verse is that we can be unwholesome in our speech or we can build up. And it's an amazing thing to see the power that you have. I mean, I would, I would challenge you, and I'm challenging myself today to say, like, what if we took this next week and every day I said, I'm going to look for one opportunity to say something that will be a blessing. Now, I already, I already gave mine today, but I'm going to do more. Because when Hannah came in today, and I had heard Hannah might not be here today, and when she came in, I, I said, hi, Hannah. Now, what are you frowning at me for? This is a happy thing, okay? <laughs> and I said, Hannah, I wasn't expecting you here today, and you're here. You made my day by being here. Now, I, that may have been a slight exaggeration, but you made, you made my day better. You made my day better, okay? Well, the day's too young to know. There might be other things that will make my day. But you realize, like, like how easy it is to, to say that to someone, even, even a stranger. You know, you're, you go to the drugstore to pick up a prescription, and the clerk is very nice and, and smiles and say, and you look at her name tag, and it says Diana, and you say, Diana, thank you. And you know what? You have a great smile. You walk away. You don't think she's going to think about that 40 times today? You know why? Because the customer before and after you gave her a hard time. They were ornery and mean, whatever. But how, how much, by the way, did that cost you to say that to her? Nothing. Except that you're being mindful of it. You're being thoughtful of it. Like, do you think if we just, as a group here, could, could we literally change this building here? Yes. If we all did it? Yes. And, and it's almost like, I'm not going to let you get under my skin. Yes. You can give me a cursing. I'm going to give you a blessing every time. Amen right? Like the power to do that, you can change a culture of, a, of an organization. You can change a neighborhood. You can certainly change the place that you live. You can change the people you work with by doing this, by being mindful, to be intentional about it. And I love the fact that it says, but only, because that's telling me, no, there's no, no exceptions here. Like, like every time you talk, you should be, I should be asking myself, am I aware of what this person needs right now? And I'm going to then use words that are going to build them up rather than tear them down, because it's going to be one or the other. So the, the first test was, before I speak, is, is this unwholesome or rot, rotten or putrid, what I'm about to say? The second one, real simply, is, is what I'm about to say helpful? Will this strengthen the person? Will this make them in some way better by what I'm about to say? Now, the last thing, oh, and by the way, I just have to say this. Um, there's this... There's this um, well, we've talked about this. When we talked about the, the love series on love, I talked about this verse. Proverbs actually says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. But I, I do want to say one thing, because people that know the Bible will often say, well, I'm going to speak the truth, but in love. But they don't do it in love at all. Amen. It's an easy verse to quote, so then you can get away with murder. I'm just speaking the truth in love, but you're an idiot. In love, you know? I'm telling you. Amen. That's the truth. So, so Paul says, speaking truth in love... 
may grow into all things into him who is the head, even Christ. Um, speaking the truth in love. Let's see, I got it. I think I might have done that one. <laughs> got pushing some buttons down here. At least stay away from. So, so I just, I just want to caution you that, that if you have to share hard words with someone, if I have to share hard words, meaning some correction or some way that you may perhaps said something that hurt or offended me, that, that I would always give it some time before you go into it, like rather than the moment, because I don't trust my heart in that moment. That that is really about really trying to restore a relationship or it's about proving that I'm right or making a point or evening the score or whatever. So speaking the truth in love is something that, that we should be very gentle and very tender and very cautious when we go to, uh, to challenge someone. Because this is building someone up too. Like building up means sometimes you have to say things that might be hard for that person to hear. I would, I would say the acid test there is do I have another motive or am I really caring for this person? If, if my motive is love and I really care about this person, then I'm probably in good footing. But there might be something else going on where I want to prove I'm right or I want to explain my behavior or I want to put you down in some way. So just a caution there. Okay, the final thing is, is the outcome. Do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others according to their needs. And then here, that it may give grace to those who hear. Um, man, I tell you, if, we, if that was the filter we would say a lot less <laughs> and we'd be careful because I would be saying when I walk away that I give grace to this person even in a correction moment that I give grace you know if I have to if I have to if I say I, I notice that you you lose your temper a lot um, maybe the way I would say that to you if that's something that I notice and I want to build you up and, and actually encourage you and help you I might approach it in, in a way like this you know what there's a lot of things I struggle with, and actually losing my temper is one of them sometimes. I know how easy it is. People can push your buttons, whatever. I just want to encourage you, brother. I noticed the last few times when you got in, into a conflict, you really elevated it, and I saw the conflict get worse. I just want to encourage you to think about a way when someone really gets under your skin and pushes your button, how can you take a step back rather than escalating it? Now, that's, doesn't that sound a lot different than me saying to someone, you know what, you're losing your temper, and I'm tired of it, and it's creating all kinds of problems here. You need to stop it. Stop losing your temper. Why? Why does that sound different? Because it doesn't come out of a place of humility where I'm also an imperfect, broken person, and I share that in common with anyone I'm ever going to confront. If I'm going to point out something in your life, I've got to make sure that I'm looking in the mirror at myself, right, and that you know that about me. So the, the, in the end, that gives grace to someone. Even a correction can give grace to the person. And even to say, you know, I know you're trying hard, and I see effort that you're making. I just want to encourage you to keep trying. Because I see you growing, right? That gives grace. Isn't grace a wonderful word? Yes. You know, it's interesting. There's this place on 6th Avenue. I don't know what it is. I'm, I have a meeting up at, uh, occasionally, and there's a big thing that says grace. Every time I walk by that, I actually stop and look at the word. I don't know if it has anything to do with what we're talking about. It probably doesn't. But the word grace, because, you know, grace means, when I receive grace, it means that, that I got favor I didn't deserve. I got love I didn't really earn. I got patience. Maybe I didn't deserve it because I'm not acting very, very well. You know, grace means that what's coming back to me is not what I deserve. It's better than that. It's, it's, it's unearned. It's free. It's, 
it, it penetrates deeply when, when you receive grace. When you mess up and you know it, and you get grace, there's no experience quite like it, which is why it's the center, by the way, of the gospel. The center of the, the good news, which is what the gospel means, of the Bible, of the New Testament, of Jesus, the center of that is this idea of grace. God is not angry with you. He's not coming after you. He doesn't hate you. He's not waiting to punish you. Amen. He wants to welcome you, embrace you. Yeah, he sees everything. That's grace. And now when you receive that grace, the idea is that you give that grace. Having received it, I give it. So who am I to ever put you down and put you in your place and not give you grace when, I, when, when God fills me up every day with his grace? How do, I, how do I not do that? So, so think this week. I just want to encourage you to think this week about this gift that you have and the power you have. You can say words. And I know how life goes, by the way. Some, some of us aren't going to get out, out of lunch downstairs today before we're going to speak some unwholesome words. The temptation is there all the time because we talk all the time, right? But be mindful of this and to say, what if instead of unwholesome, I, I always thought about words that would build up and strengthen that person, and they walk away having experienced grace in some way. It's an amazing thing when we can do this. What we're going to do, um, so I may check in with you next week. I, I might follow you around and listen to you. <laughs> I'll be in disguise, though. You won't know I'm there. I might be in line behind you in the cafeteria today. But I hope you'll take this to heart. I, ho I hope that, that you'll realize and, and even as an experiment, like look for an opportunity at least once a day to, in, a, in exchange with someone you know or someone you don't know, but just say something that you know gave grace. It could be powerful. We're going we're gonna to celebrate grace now as we transition into worship. Um, and one of the ways that for 2,000 years, people who know Jesus... I have celebrated his grace is through something that he asked us to do. This invitation comes not from Craig Mays or not from Communitas Church. The invitation to take a cracker, a little piece of bread, and, and a little cup with some juice to remember came from Jesus. He said, do this often. And we try to do it about once a month at Communitas. I don't know if that's often or not, but um, just as a reminder to sit in a moment with some symbols in our hands and symbols that we will put into our mouth to remember the grace that's been given to us because that's what the message of the cross is about. It's, a, it's about a God who said, I'm not going to hold your sins against you. I'm, I want to be reconciled with you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want you to experience my forgiveness. And so we're going to uh, take the bread and take the cup. And um, I'm just going to ask for a couple of volunteers that aren't in the band, um, Chris and Christy. That would be great. Um, Oh, you already got, got them. All right, Chris, my wife already got the volunteers. <laughs> so um, th this, is, we, this is never meant to be an awkward moment for anyone. Um, we know that in this room there's a diversity of where people are at with Jesus, and we always welcome that. We're all on a journey to know God in some way. Um, and, but this, Jesus said, for those that know me, that are following me, that identify with me, then I want you to take, take the bread and take the cup and remember how deeply I love you. And so it, it's, a good, it's a good place right now if you identify as a Jesus follower before you come up to receive it to um, talk to him about what's been going on in your life. And you, we all come today having failed this week in many ways and broken. And that doesn't keep us in our chair. Um, that, 
that allows us the opportunity to say to him, um, thank you for forgiving me for this and, I, and help me to do better this week. But now come and receive a symbol of my grace, of my love for you. So if, if you're comfortable with that, then uh, as the musicians play, um, come up and uh, we do this differently um, probably from time to time. So what we're going to do it today, just listen carefully, is you take the bread and the cup at the same time, take them back to your seat, and then when you're ready on your own, you take the cup. This is between, this is, we're doing this as a community together, but this is between you and God. This is for you to be grateful and thankful and to experience this grace today. So come in, uh, those that want, and when you're ready, to take a piece of cracker and a cup. <laughs> 